Hey waiters, it's Z. Welcome back to While We're Waiting, the podcast. 2022 is coming to a close and we know what that means, holiday shopping. But waiters, have you all made your budget list and checked it twice? How about making sure you've selected the right credit card and retirement investments before buying the newest Christmas gifts for your loved ones? If you haven't done so already, it's time to invest in yourself, which just so happens to be today's episode title. Now, I don't have just anyone sharing financial do's and don'ts with you all, so I've called in a pro. I'm sure you've taken advice from Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman before, but it's time to add another financial expert to your podcast playlist. With over 25 years in the financial industry, I'm pleased to introduce Mr. David Johnson. He's my dad and also the reason why I graduated from a six-year college program with no student loans. Waiters, grab your paper and a pen as you hear my dad's recommendations on savings, credit cards, and retirement topics. This is an episode you can't miss. Enjoy Invest in Yourself, featuring my dad, hero, best friend, and amazing money guy, David Johnson. Say hello to the waiters, dad. Hello, waiters. Thank you. And his name, again, is David Johnson. Dad, can you please tell the waiters a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Well, um, I have been in the financial services industry a little over 25 years. Uh, Currently, my day-to-day job is as a partner with New York Life, uh, where I recruit individuals who want to get into the financial services industry or perhaps transfer their uh, practice to us uh, to help them with cultivating opportunities with individuals within the communities, whether it be individuals, families, or business owners. All right. Thanks, Dad. So we are just now wrapping up Thanksgiving, and thankfully I was good, and I did not partake too much into the Black Friday deals. But being that we're getting close to Christmas, I think that this episode will be especially important for waiters who are trying to be intentional about how they are saving their money. And that is why this episode is called Invest in Yourself. So, Dad, why should waiters be wise when it comes to how we save our money? I think that most of your listeners have heard the old saying, save for a rainy day. That is for those unexpected emergencies. You know, unexpected could be a maintenance-related uh, issue uh, t- to their car, their home, uh, their air conditioning. And so you need to be prepared for those unexpected events. Uh, it could even be a death in a family that may require you to travel across country uh, or get out the line of a hurricane um, since we're basically still in hurricane season for a few more weeks. So you need to be prepared. Very good. So you always taught Z and I, my sister, the importance of, you know, saving. And once we graduated from college, you told us that we should try to save at least three to six months worth of what we would typically spend monthly on expenses. And we're talking about the the necessities that you need to live, like rent, food, um, those type of bills. So is that saying still true? Would you still say, even though people don't want to admit that we're in a recession, that we need to still say that three to six months worth, or would you recommend more? Um, Probably more so than ever. And if they can, even a little bit more, uh, given that we are in a recession, 
Um, three to six months is the recommended amount. And, you know, that should cover your fixed and variable expenses. Um, you know, this is the amount that we should have in place to cover things like the necessities like rent, mortgage, utilities, grocery, gas. Um, mm -hmm. You can even include for your benefit subscriptions to certain types of services, even though those are luxuries. And if things really got tight, you could let some of those subscriptions go. And what I'm referring to is like your Netflix, um, you know, your different type of accounts that, you know, we could give up and still be okay because we have other means of entertainment, even if it means uh, talking to ones on the old fashioned way, like the telephone, just to find out what's going on and having a good time that way. That's good. And I do have one more follow-up question. The 50, 30, 20 rule. Do you mind telling the waiters a little bit about that and how that can help us get to that three to six months worth of savings? Okay, so the, the 50, 20, 30 rule uh, deals with how much you should, you know, look at your cash flow, your money that comes into your household and what it should be allocated towards. So 50% of your income should be allocated um, month after month to such things like rent and mortgage, car payments, cable bill. That shouldn't take up no more than 50% of your income. You can even put, include right. your cell phone in it because most people I know nowadays, they use their cell phone versus having a landline. Then you have mm -hmm. such things such as variable costs, things that change or fluctuate from month to month or each time we go and purchase them. That could be like your groceries. Your clothing costs can fluctuate, as we all well know. Uh, entertainment, if you choose to go out, um, that should be no more than or comprise of no more than 30% of your income. Then finally, you should try to save at least 20% of your income um, for that rainy day. You know, that 20% could be, you know, building towards that three to six months in your savings or liquid account, um, such as savings or money market or even your checking if you choose to do so, as well as, mm -hmm. you know, money in your retirement accounts. Um, that could be through your employer qualified plans, such as 401k, 403bs, 457s, or your own individual retirement accounts or IRAs. Okay, I know that was a lot of lingo that he just used, waiters, but we're going to just try to do our best to just stick to the basics. And one of those other basics, once we have our savings down, deals with the infamous credit cards. And, you know, waiters, I've had my best friends on the show. And if you all haven't heard that episode, you're definitely welcome to listen to it. They were on season one, the 40 Deep Group. And I'm not going to throw their name out, but one of my girlfriends, when we decided to go on a trip, forgot that she needed a credit card for us to get the rental car. So she called me in a panic saying, I didn't realize that I needed a credit card in order to rent the rental car. Do you mind getting here as soon as you can? And I was like, girl, we're getting close to 30 years old. We need credit cards. I love you, girl. I'm not putting your name out, though. So, Dad, why is there such a negative stigma around credit cards? And are credit cards bad, necessarily? Or should we still be wise, just like we will once we have our money saved? Think about investing in getting a credit card. Well, I think the stigma comes from individuals who are not taught properly how to utilize credit. Uh, in a manner that they leverage in such a way that they use it when it necessitates, you know, an, a, an event or, or an event that necessitates the use of it. So I mentioned earlier, you know, having a savings is great, particularly an event such as like a hurricane coming towards where you live in and you need to get out of town where 
a credit card can be a necessity to help you make that move to get out of the way of a hurricane or to make that cross country trip to go see a loved one or to attend a funeral. So I mm -hmm. think it's, it has to do with, you know, experiences with credit cards. And, you know, most people, when they think of credit cards, they think about the institution that is extending the credit and that they just want to get over on people. Well, you got to mm -hmm. do your homework and your due diligence to make sure that you're shopping in such a way for a credit card that benefits you. Obviously, as we know, it's risk-based. Um, and what I mean by risk-based is that if you're new to establishing credit, you may pay a little higher interest rate on credit cards in the beginning. Or you might even find it challenging and difficult to obtain credit. And then there's mm -hmm. uh, means where you might be able to go to your local financial institution and get what we call a secure credit card by opening what would equate to be a savings or a CD account, certificate of deposit, that is, putting you know, a required or the prerequisite amount of money in there to basically secure the credit card. So they give you, if you open up an account with a $300 savings where they lock it down so you can't access it, they're mm -hmm. going to give you a credit card for $300. You know, if it's a thousand, uh, yeah. they give you a thousand dollars in the savings account or you mm -hmm. put a thousand dollars in the savings account, excuse me, they extend you a thousand dollars on a credit card. Now they still may charge you interest on that credit card, but also paying you interest on the money that's in, in the savings or CD account. So there's a net oh. effect there. And hopefully that net effect is to your advantage or it nets out to be zero. Mm -hmm. So you have to still, again, do your due diligence. But once you get a credit card, it can help you build credit. You know, um, I always have suggested that you try to get one of the major brands like a Visa, MasterCard, uh, Discover um, through an institution if you have been turned down because they can, again, give you that secure credit to help you begin okay. your credit journey. Okay. And I know, unfortunately, sometimes one of the reasons why waiters may not be able to get a credit card is because they might have had one previously. And it might have been where, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't able to pay because of that infamous APR, the annual percentage rate. So. Right. What's a good APR when we do qualify for a credit card or rather we're, we're looking at seeing which one would be best for us Would less than 20% be okay. If we're afraid that we may not be able to make those month to month payments or what would you recommend is a good starting annual percentage rate, AKA APR. You know, that's, um, you know, it's going to vary. It's like you said, it's going to be dictated based upon, you know, is this your first credit card? Uh, have you had credit challenges in the past? You mm -hmm. know, I think a good credit card rate nowadays is somewhere between eight to 15% if you can find one in that range there. Mm -hmm. Most credit cards nowadays are not fixed. They're going to be variable. So they're going to be okay. based upon some type of uh, index, such as like the Wall Street Journal of Prime. And then they have a spread or a margin on top of that there. So, for example, if the Wall Street Journal Prime right now, for example, is like 8%, and then there might be a margin that's added to that of like 4%. So now you're looking at an APR 12. And every time the, um, the index moves, if it goes up to 9, now your interest rate is increased by 1 point to 13. If it goes down by 1 point, then it reduces by 1 point from 12 to 11. So you're just going to have to shop. Okay. And 
when you get a chance to move to another credit card that has a lower rate, because everybody, if you begin to pay your bills on time, credit card companies have the means to identify good customers by working with the different credit bureaus mm-hmm. and sending you advertisements through the mail, you know, uh, talking to you through your email or if you're online, you'll get one of those analytical ads, as I like to call them, that'll pop up and says, hey, apply for my credit cards. It's X. Mm-hmm. You, know, take, mm-hmm. you know, take advantage of those. But the one thing I would you know, tell your listeners is be careful with credit cards that do have uh, teaser rates, as I like to call them, because what can happen is, is that after a certain period of time as it lapses, those mm-hmm. credit card rates can shift and go up. And so you want to be aware of that. And you want mm-hmm. to know how much time you have to pay that transfer balance down and pay it off before that time if possible so that you don't get caught with any um, additional interest being added because you didn't pay off the balance transfer on time. Wow. I didn't even know about that one. And you mentioned shopping around when it comes to the right credit card. Are there any groups that you would recommend? I know Nerd Wallet is one that I usually recommend. Yeah, Nerd Wallet. Uh, if you're a member of a credit union, I would suggest starting there. Usually they have great rates for their members. Uh, if you're okay. a part of um, a professional association, um, if you're a pharmacist or a nurse, for example, and there's an association that you belong to, a professional association, sometimes mm-hmm. they offer credit cards. Or if you're a member of a, you know, I was in the military, um, USAA, you know, they have great rates for individuals and dependents who have been a part of the military. So, you know, you can start with those if you have access to those type of um, alliances to see mm-hmm. if you can get a, a great rate. And then you just kind of shop around from there. And like you said, Nerd Wallet is a great example of that there. But t- over time, you'll put, you can, if you pay your credit card balances off or pay your balances on time, if you're not able to pay them off uh, completely after each month, um, you'll put yourself in a position to be able to change or get a better lower credit card rate just by shopping on a year to year basis. It's like everything else. You know, we should, you know, shop for um, better prices on everything that we consume as right. consumers, you know, each and every day. So it's the same thing with credit cards. All right. Well, thanks, Dad. And of course, we know we want to have at least a 750 credit score or higher, right? Is that still the standard or is it 800? Um, <laughs> 750 is a great credit score. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I would say is that you want to try to be 800 or better. Uh, okay. 750, you know, they go in ranges. You know, the, the right. FICO score, the Fair Object Company score, FICO for short, you know, Credit scores can range anywhere from 300 to 850. Right. Uh, with 740 considered to be very exceptional. Okay. Uh, but if you have a five, I think it's 579 or lower, um, mm-hmm. that can be considered poor credit. So you need to work on that there. And the way to improve your credit score, of course, is to pay things on time, don't have or carry high balances on your credit cards, try to keep them around 30% to 50%. Uh, more or less 30. That's the, what we call the credit utilization um, ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, fair credit ranges is basically 580 to 669, if I remember correctly, and good ranges 670 to 739. But if you have a 750 or better, you're, probably, you're pretty much going to get favorable terms on most of your purchase. Now, do keep in mind 
that there are different types of credit scores for different types of uh, credit 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 uh, purchases or credit utilization. Mm-hmm. So, for example, mm-hmm. mortgages have a different scale that they use. Auto industry has a different scale that they use, and credit mm-hmm. cards have a different scale. Even the banks have a different scale. So, you want to be aware right. of that. But typically, if your credit score, if you was going to do a major purchase like a home, that typically, you know, I'm going to pull all three scores and they're looking for an average, um, you know. 740, 750, higher. Those are good scores, you know, in that range there. And I would even venture to say 700 is still a good credit score. You're going to have some some good opportunities to save some money um, with regard to your credit score. Good. Man, I'm enjoying this conversation with us. I love hearing my dad break it down for me with the finances. And earlier, dad, you were using all these terms like the 403B and the 401K. And for waiters who may just be getting ready to go into college or they just recently graduated and they're starting their first job, they might not be too familiar with retirement. So could you just expand a little bit on the Roth IRA that you mentioned earlier and its importance. Okay, so the Roth IRA is a tax favorable account that came out in the um, mid 90s, I guess I could say, date myself a little bit. I just got into the financial services industry. And basically, it's in a vehicle that allows you to save up to $6,000 a year. Um, if you're 50 or older, you can put an additional thousand right now for 2022 for a total seven thousand dollars. Where that money that you save or place into that account, it's already been taxed, and if the account is open for five years, then the premise behind it is is that you won't pay any taxes on the growth, thus allowing your money to grow tax deferred and have tax free access in the future. Okay. And so it can it can save you on the back end if you are able to um, save or invest in those vehicles over time to where you can have money in retirement, you know, at least one bucket or one source that you won't pay any taxes on right now, uh, given the way the tax laws are written. Right. Um, there are even some if your employer offers a 401k plan, you may want to check with them to see if they offer a Roth component with inside of that 401k. Now, 401ks. 403Bs, 457s, those are different qualified uh, tax-favorable plans uh, that are through your employer. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a business owner or some of your listeners are individual business owners, they can have what is called a solo 401k plan for them and their immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, but they allow you to put money aside at a pretty good high rate uh, right now, uh, but it's just raised at $20,500 a year that you can uh, put into these accounts. And then if you're 50 or older, uh, that amount goes up to $27,000 only in a year. And so those are just great vehicles to save for retirement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times individuals don't take advantage of these accounts because the employer will make them available, but they don't understand necessarily. So I would recommend that if you don't understand what those accounts mean, you know, you can, you can work with, um, like your tax preparer or someone in your community who is good at these particular accounts who don't mind helping you go through the accounts as well as helping you perhaps even establish them if you are a business owner in terms of like the solo 401k plan that I mentioned earlier. Great, 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 great. 
All right, Dad. Well, I feel like we gave the waiters a good tidbit. We went over savings. We went over credit cards. And we talked about the Roth IRAs slash retirement. So with all of that to the side, let's face it. We're again in a recession. Nobody wants to say it, but we are. And right now we're seeing this housing crisis where there are people who are trying to purchase their first home like myself. And there are others who are just looking for a place to stay stay excuse me so would you recommend for waiters who have put that six to nine months worth of savings to the side who've made sure that their credit score is above that recommended 750 or 800 and they are saving for retirement would you say that now is a good time for us to take advantage of still trying to rent to own or rent or purchase a home or should we just lay low and try to stay where we are right now if we are currently in an apartment or we're currently in a house and it's paid for i think you know purchasing a home is of course still a part of the american dream in my opinion home Mm -hmm. ownership um can build equity over time as another asset that's on the balance sheet but you know, whether you choose to rent or buy depends on your particular financial situation, your lifestyle and your personal goals, in my opinion. Um, you know, they both provide you with a place to live. Um, right. They both require regular income in order to make the payments. You know, renting does offer some flexibility. So if you have a quarter acre, you know, who's going to do the the maintenance of the yard? That is cut the grass, edge it, you know. Um, even clean up around the house when mold starts to materialize on the side of the property. You know, that's maintenance. You know, when you rent, you know, you don't have to worry about those things there. Okay. The landlord typically is responsible for those there. You know, if you don't have the time to do those things yourself, if you're, you know, considering purchasing a home, then renting may be the best course of action for you. You know, Mm -hmm. but home ownership, on the other hand, brings, you know, those intangible benefits such as, a, you know, pride and ownership, stability, um, even tax deductions, okay? Then, like I said before, you can build equity that you can leverage in the future for other means. So you you just, I think right now, even though in this recession, the same core principles still are the same. You know, do I have money that meets the necessary requirements for down payment, say? Do I have money, you know, that if I'm looking to buy, that will allow me to do those things to keep up with the upkeep. Because when you have ownership of a home, there's a couple of other things you got to be concerned about taking care of. You still got mm-hmm. property insurance, you got property taxes, and in some cases, it might even be home ownership um, mm-hmm. dues that are due to the homeowners association. So those are things there. So I think if somebody you know has good job stability, going to be in the area or in the city or the neighborhoods or the community that they want to be in for a while, then maybe look at buying a home. But if they think they're going to be there on a short term, maybe for just a little while and they're going to be moving someplace else, then mm-hmm. maybe still rent. And then when you get to your next destination, we start the process and, you know, your deliberate decision-making process in terms of do I want to buy a rent? Okay. I hope I didn't confuse your waiters with that. No, I think you hit, listen, dad, I always tell him waiters, like if y'all remember those books, those um something for dummies books, I always said that dad should write one, but it should be based on finances because he can always bring it down to make sure that we can understand it. It's palatable. 
So, Dad, as we get ready to wrap up, you know, again, you're always giving Z and I all these different bits and tips about how we should be in charge, again, invest in ourselves when it comes to being financially literate, as well as making sure we're making provisions to take care of our future selves. Could you give the waiters just like your top five tips, if you have any, regarding what they should do that we haven't already mentioned when it comes to finances? Okay. Um, I think the first thing you need to know where your money is coming from, but more importantly, where is it going? So that leads to me saying, have a budget. Okay. Track your Mm -hmm. money, track your spending, um, you know, fill in the holes where you see that there's money going towards things that you probably could get away from to allow you to save. If you haven't already started saving or at least not saving at the level you want, which leads me to say, automate your savings. You know, if you have most mm. employees now require you um, to have direct deposit. You know, I think there's very few employees out there. There's still some out there that still write a check, but most mm-hmm. they pay via direct deposit. So once your money hits your checking account on payday, maybe that same day or the next day, have you know. 20% move out to savings or 10% or 5%, whatever that amount that you can afford to automate and have it move to a savings, maybe at a different institution that'll help you with your savings strategies. Okay. Okay. Um, invest and diversify your savings and investment portfolio. You know, part of that investment portfolio is it's the cash that you have in your savings or money market or CDs, but, you know, also look at, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, even insurance as an investment, you know, to take advantage of tax deferred growth and tax uh, free access. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next would be to take advantage of tax deferred growth and tax free access. You know, that's your Roths. That's permanent life insurance that allows you to build cash value, particularly with firms that pay dividends too. And then prioritize your needs, wants, and desires. You know, we talk about a recession and this can be for any given type of economic cycle. Prioritize what is a need, what is a want and what is a desire. You know, you Mm -hmm. still want to have fun. Um, You know, that doesn't mean that you continually, you know, put all your money away, not have any fun. But you want to put yourself in a position where that if I need a new computer, for example, what is the why behind that there? You know, Mm -hmm. is it a need, want, a desire? And so if you need it because the technology won't allow you to access like this podcast or to do certain things mm-hmm. with it, that technology require maybe work from home, you know, and, you know, remotely, like we coming out of the, or on the backside of this COVID-19 pandemic mm-hmm. and the computer that you had prior to COVID-19 pandemic meeting all your needs, but now you work it from home, you know, then that's a need, particularly if you want to keep that job. You know, wearing that, you know, uh, a desire might be those brand new sneakers right now when the sneakers I got in my closet are still good. We always hear about that right there. But I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. judge anybody, but I'm just saying, giving examples of needs, wants and desires. That's good, Dad. Thank you. Any other tips, any books that you would recommend? Um, Books that I would recommend. Um. I think the wealth choice, uh, successful secrets of black millionaires by Dennis Kimbrough is one of my favorite books. Mm, um, I need to read that one. You know, 
Um, you know, there's some other books out there like Perfect Credit, Seven Steps to Great Credit Ratings by Lynette um, Caffanini Cox. I think some of your listeners may have seen her on, you know, guest appearances on talk shows and the news in the morning. She's great. And then um, at one time point in my life uh, when I was in banking, I was what is called a smart money instructor. So the FDIC, you know, if you go to smartmoneyfdic.gov, they have some great educational materials on financial literacy. Mm-hmm. And, um, they have like different um, sections, everything from credit to savings to banking to buying a house. Um, and so that's a great place to start too as well. I have two recommendations. The ones that you told me about, What Will the Rockefellers Do by Garrett B. Gunderson. Yes. I love that one. And the other one, which is The Millionaire Next Door with the author's last name, Stanley and Dan Coe. Those are my two favorites, and I recommend those to aspiring professionals as well. So, how you feeling, Dad? You did great. I appreciate it. Are you going to come back? The waiters need more information. Like, again, waiters, I think that what we gave you was just a little taste of how to get you financially prepared as we get ready for a new year. Okay, we're going to use our 50, 30, 20. We're going to shop around with our credit cards. And most importantly, we're going to invest in ourselves with making sure that we save the money we need. So that way our future selves will look back and say, man, I'm glad that I listened to David Johnson which is Z's amazing dad. And I'm glad that I waited when it came to putting my wants, needs, and desires in the right order of importance. Did I get it, dad? You got it, sweetie. I got it. Well, dad, thank you so much for being one of my very special guests. Waiters, if you all have questions or comments, I'm going to put in the, the show's description an email address that you can send emails to directly for me to see if my dad wouldn't mind giving some of his expert opinions. So that way we can make sure that you continue to invest in yourselves, not just when it comes to self-improvement, but also when it comes to financial management. Thanks again, dad, for being a part of my podcast.